this is Dan Hasty, and you're listening to the Tigers Minor League Report. Get the scoop on Tigers today. You're listening to Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Hi, welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com and Tiger Minor League Report, powered by the Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Castillo alongside Chris Brown. As uh, first and foremost, if I sound like I'm being like Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam this evening. I had, long story short, I had a uh, a root canal done two weeks ago, and the doctor did not, something didn't something happened along the way, and I fractured my tooth somehow, so um, I had my tooth extracted today, so I am kind of uh, doing this thing where I'm like, opening my mouth, saying a couple of words, shutting it, and I feel like I'm doing Eddie Vedder from the 90s, or, like, or, or every... Alternative rock singer, they're like, oh, 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 oh. so, um, but uh, that's interesting that they like. So, when you fracture a tooth, they just choose to remove it. It's like, uh, like when a horse breaks its leg, you just go, well, it's better to kill it. Oh, well, yeah, essentially, because where it was on the back part of my left molar area, um, they had to, mm-hmm. because it was gonna, the they removed the infection originally, but they didn't clean out the root properly. But what happened was is that. I noticed that every time I was chewing something, it was just this it shot of pain, and I thought it was like, well, maybe the root's still there, but they, he said there was a fracture there, so I'm like, great. So they had to break it into two pieces, and that sucked. So, okay. I'm, yeah. Like I'm, the tooth jackhammer. Yeah, so. It'd be funny uh, if the, the dentist just came out and was like, let me be honest with you, you really only need, like, these four teeth. <laughs> the rest are just for show. <laughs> like, All right, fine. Guess it, take them out. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they've said that point, you know, because he talked about, well, if you know, if you want implants and, uh. I'm like, uh, eh, let's not talk about that right now. But uh, so coming up today, we're going to talk about the Tigers' new latest 40-man acquisition. Talk about Chris's trip to Chicago. Talk about a little bit about uh, the 40-man roster calls, which is you know really kind of a bore fest, if you will. But we did get some listener questions. Or yep, we got some questions off Twitter. We did get some listener questions. Well, they're both in the same thing, whatever. And we'll yep. talk a little bit about the tri- uh, last week. So first and foremost, thank you for everyone who tuned in last week to the Gurash. Second annual barbecue fest. I apologize for the issues with the audio, as uh, no one really spoke off mic there. But that was my fault for not recording that a little bit better. But we did get quite a bit of few. List- we did get quite a bit of listeners for that. So for everybody who downloaded it with the patience with the audio, thank you. And again, uh, thank you to Mrs. Gurash, Danny Gurash, for uh, providing alcohol while we're out there. Mr. Gurash and Mark, of course, doing a fantastic job cooking. He made corn and sausage shrimp tacos that were delicious. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Brandon Day doing his best, uh, Clayton Kershaw. They got got over, like, 2,000 views on Twitter. So um, thanks to Mark for – or thanks to Kean for coming up from Ohio as well. And thanks to George Sipple, formerly of the Free – and hearing those stories behind the scenes, Chris, that was really cool. Oh, man, yeah. I'm bummed that I missed out on that. I I really wanted to come and then – just found out I had to help my wife. We we stuffed like thirteen hundred envelopes. I was stuffing envelopes from nine p.m. to one a.m. that night, uh, which was just brutal. And then we were going to Chicago the next morning. So, yeah, it sucked. I, I was listening to it for about forty-five minutes, and then I had to go take uh, my stepson over to his friend's house. So it was kind of I missed out. But you can listen to it uh, on MP3 on the podcast. So that's what I've been doing. 
in increments. But, yeah, that's uh, a, yeah, it was a, yeah, 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 it was it was a good time and everybody, everybody had a good time. Um that that to me was the highlight of um, Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it last year. Yeah, that dude didn't well, hopefully we do it, we'll do it again this year or next year we'll do it again for a third straight year. Um I'd be excited for that. So, yeah, and, and Chris, let me ask you a question. When was there like a was there a timer when it was going off with you guys like um, trying to see, like, help uh, do any, break any records for envelope stuffing or anything or try to make it competitive? No, we just, uh, I don't know. I just, Tara was captive, so I was just playing uh, Chappelle stuff on, on Netflix. It's like, you know, you don't have to watch stand up comedians. It's, you know, it helps sometimes. But just listening is usually pretty good. You can do that while stuffing envelopes. And then, yeah, so that was fun. And then, throwing some like comedians and cars getting coffee just stuff that you didn't necessarily have to watch but it wasn't uh, it wasn't fun it'd be nice to get like some sort of envelope stuffing machine but this is the way it goes yeah and no that, and that david Chappelle special but, was amazing yeah i enjoyed it i i uh i don't know he's always getting controversy or whatever but i thought it was funny and i thought the jokes were good and that's what i care about but yeah and then our trip to chicago was was fun not really much in the way of baseball, we did. The only baseball thing I noticed was that uh, there were roughly uh, 800 million Cubs jerseys and hats, and I saw one White Sox T-shirt the entire time I was there. It's like, oh, poor White Sox fans. But uh, I guess that's just the way it goes. You're, you're going to be second fiddle in your city. Yeah, you but know. Yeah, it was cool. It was. Uh... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying it was. It was a nice trip. We, we took. We went there because. You know, we just haven't gone on many, many vacations the last few years. And my son is five, and he loves skyscrapers. And there's not probably a better place to go close to us to go see skyscrapers. So we took the train out there, and that was fun. He, liked, he dug that. and We went on a boat tour, an architectural boat tour, which is probably my favorite part of the trip. Really kind of cool going down the Chicago River, teaching all about the, the buildings and the history and their style of architecture. And then went up to the top of the John Hancock Building, which is no longer called the John Hancock Building for some reason. Is it called the Herbie Hancock? Like is, is it called the Herbie? Is it called the Herbie? Name. Is it called the Herbie no, Hancock Building? Amazing. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the Rocket Building. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, so we we had dessert up there on the 96th floor, and apparently the best view in Chicago is from the ladies' uh, bathroom there on the top of the John Hancock Center. <laughs> uh, it's like floor to ceiling windows looking over the city for some reason. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good trip. A uh, lot of walking, which I don't mind, but I'm not used to it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. been I commute, and it's been a long time since I've gone on a trip like that. But, yeah, it was nice to get away. And it's nice to be back and, and dig into baseball some more. Yeah, there's, there's been quite a bit of uh, – quite a, lo- quite a lot of baseball going on, especially with the minor league season wrapping up here. And, unfortunately, the Forest State League had to end due to the hurricane. And if everybody who's listening out there, our thoughts are with you with that. And uh, kind of – it's kind of – you know, Chris, it's kind of been depressing a little bit. We, we Unfortunately – passing of uh, yeah, Chase Namata. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, you know, I wanted to write something about that for, for the, the site just because I, I don't know, I felt compelled to, but then, you know, and so what what can you say? What, and at what point am I like writing for, for him and his family or am I just writing for people to pay attention to me? Like, I don't want to do that, but it's, it's one of those things where you get, you, you cover the minors for long enough, you get used to saying goodbye to players just you never like this you just never expect something like this you know it, it's 
like remember we said you know Austin Sauter's retired and it's like okay you, you kind of expect that it's it's a tough game and like you could be one of the 3,000 best baseball players in the world and not make minimum wage because it's not quite good enough and so you, you understand people leave they, they, they move on they get hurt they get injured but some people are baseball lifers and that seemed like what Numata was going to be and it's just it's just at uh, such a young age it's such a weird you know it's one of those things that just makes you you think about your life a little bit like man maybe I should call my parents and tell them I love them or I should hug my kids or I should you know live my life skateboarding or just anything and uh i, I have to say I, i've been really impressed with the grace that we've seen from the numata family and and the support that we've seen from all the Erie players and and it's 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 one of those things so, like whenever something bad happens or like there's a big change in life and this is i may have mentioned this before on the show because i i'm kind of you know a creature of routine but I always go back to a, an essay from Emerson, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. It's called Compensation. Um, and, and particularly the final, like the closing, the last three paragraphs, it's, it's just this amazingly written uh, piece on, on using tragedy and bad things uh, as, as a springboard to something new. Like it basically just says that, that they kind of, these things that seem so heavy and so awful at the time often kind of operate a revolution in our life and, and change us and, and eventually change us for the better. And, and so it's so hard to see that right now when you lose somebody so young, like, like Numata, but like the hole that his life left, uh, you know, is going to create a community. There's going to be a community that comes out of that. That and he sounded like he was a great dude who, who touched a lot of people when he was alive, but now there are all these people who are, contributing and and all the the pitchers that he caught they're going to remember him like throughout all their pro careers you know he's going to be with Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Alex Fido and all those guys for the the rest of their careers and you know he's donating his organs or their family's donating his organs so there's there's this great community that's going to eventually grow out of this untimely passing and and so I think people can look at that and and be happy uh if if not uh you know just kind of sad about the tragedy that that happened yeah, and he, he just finishes it with this this terrific metaphor of, of like the, this giant tree that's in the middle of the forest. Uh, when it falls, uh, suddenly new life can grow, and, and uh, it's I don't know it's it's he's just a you know he was a great writer, so he says it better than I ever could. So why should I try to write something? And, and truth be told, you know I I, I didn't follow Numata that much. I I kind of I. I just try to stay kind of cold about prospect evaluation and stuff like that. And I had not really heard of him until Keenan mentioned him, I think this spring training about how good of a defender he was. And, uh, that kind of, you know, was proven out over the course of the season. Like, wow, this guy's a really good defender. And that was going to keep him in pro ball for a long time, probably. And so I, I don't know. It just, it, I feel bad that I didn't pay more attention to him, but it's, it's one of those things where we, we try to keep our distance from these these guys so we can evaluate them uh, and every time we talk to them though you get that you realize again that they're just humans like I, I brought it up many times I think now with the, the Parker Meadows you know everybody complaining about the bunts and how when we asked him he just said you know sometimes it's it's better for your psyche to go one for four with a bunt single than to go 0 for four and in like 
maybe it's up to the team to tell them that that's not really worth it. But I totally understand that as a human being that you can't deal with that much failure. And, and so, I don't know. It's tough for me to, to I feel like I should have paid more attention to Numata, and I feel bad that I didn't. Well, I mean, I, to be fair, I didn't either. But at the same time, for what he was regarded as his teammates, even the Phillies, the Yankees have done all these great yeah. little things for him. For anybody who's followed the Tigers minor league report and, and Keen's work with it, they, I felt like they, they knew a part of him because Keen was such a fan of him and, yeah. and, and others were part of it too. And I, I have the line right here, Chris. The death of right. a dear friend, wife, brother, lover, in which nothing seems but privatization somewhat later assumes the aspect of guide or genius for commonly operates revolutions in our way of life. Terminates an epic, yeah, epic, yeah. epic of emphasis of youth while waiting to be closed, breaks up a wanted occupation or household or style of living, and allows the formation of new ones more friendly to growth and character. It permits or constrains the formation of new acquaintances and reception of new influences that prove for the first importance to the next years, and a man or woman who have remained a sunny garden flower with no room for its roots and too much the sunshine for its head, by falling on the walls and neglect of the gardener, the forest, yielding shade. The banyan. The banyan banyan of the forest yielding fruit. Shade and fruit to wide neighborhoods of men, I thank believe, you. is the way yes, it is. Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. So, without me butchering the pronunciation yeah, there. Yeah, so, that, what, that, that well, and I butchered the metaphor. The metaphor for him was that the, the gardener stops tending and then the, the tree grows large. And uh, But, you know, it, it just it's, it's about the way that humans are kind of resilient and, and we can turn bad things into something better without ever, you know, forgetting our loss. Um, so I hope people do that, and I hope people... If they can donate to the the Numata family fund there, and and uh, you know, it uh, maybe some good can come out of it. Great work by the the, the players, the Seawolves involved, involved too. And you hopefully the Tigers something along the lines of just doing a PR release, do something as well. But we'll see. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's so much. There's some pressure to make that happen. But uh, at any rate, um, oh, oh, something else I want to get to was on the athletic, the Ken Rosenthal piece, which we'll we'll get to. That's that was interesting. How former Tigers have come back to burn, you know, and he, like in terms of uh, he used a Ruthian. He used the word Babe Ruthie, so Ruthian in a in a way to describe his figures. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that because I find it interesting. I mean, Nick Castellanos has now hit what 13 home runs since he's left for Chicago. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he's in. I saw the spray chart last week, and he, it's been all over. He's been hitting them any anywhere, anywhere he can. And so, yeah, he, his his numbers. Let's look at his numbers right now in Chicago so far. And he's become now for here's here's his numbers so far. He's got 12 home runs, 24 RBIs. He's already hit as many home runs as he did all his time in Detroit. His sluggish percentage has gone up from a 462 to a 709. His OPS is over a thousand, and he has been, he's banned 346. And you know, Chris, I'm not sure if it's the the whole that we continue to talk about his awakening, whether he's getting better data in Chicago. Well, I don't know what it is, or you know how sometimes with the National League, it's not like what it was before in the past, where maybe perhaps like 15 or 20 years ago. When a player went switch leagues, even the Tigers witnessed this with Willie Hernandez in '84. We went from Philly to in the American League, and it, it took a while for teams to get used to him because he had a screwball, and no one's ever seen anything like that at that time in the American League. But 
don't know, Chris. It, Nick Castellanos, the rest of the article we'll get to, too, but for in, you're in Chicago, and it seems like everybody's already adopted him as your new favorite Cub or possibly their favorite Cub forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's great when guys uh, – we've, we've seen it before, not with the hitters. It seemed like whenever the Tigers traded for a hitter, it ended up being like Aubrey Huff, and he went like one for 40. Um, but like, you know, you think back to Annabelle Sanchez and Doug Fister, how good players or how well players do sometimes after they get traded at the deadline. And it's, I think it's just kind of human nature to suddenly like, Oh man, all right, I gotta, I gotta do my best here. I'm going to buckle down. This is exciting. We're in a pennant race. Uh, and so I think, I think there's a certain aspect of, of Castellanos is probably like, just super happy to to be on a team that that wanted him and that uh, you know was competing and so he's probably just a little bit more locked in it's not like he's trying harder I wouldn't say that but it's 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 probably just kind of uh, natural for that to happen but there was also there was an interesting article on fangraphs today that was talking about how what he's doing is really not that out of the ordinary for him. The power numbers are up, you know, a little bit. But he's had months sort of like this before. He's He's been a hitter who will occasionally go on a tear for a couple weeks. And this is just extremely well-timed. Um, and that, that's not to say that he's not a good hitter. But uh, I don't. He's, he's certainly not this good. He's not, you know, he's not J.D. Martinez I, or Jonas Cespedes, I don't think. Um, he can spend a few weeks hitting like them, but he's ultimately going to be the guy who doesn't walk enough. And, uh, you know, I think that will, will cap his ceiling eventually. And I think we'll see what happens in, in the playoffs, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's disheartening for Tigers fans to see him do that. But at the same time, you know, we always kind of knew he was capable of that. Yeah. Craig, Craig Edwards did a really good job of explaining too that his walk rate has, still the same in terms of what he's done, like in terms of stretches that you referred to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the 300-plus ISO, he's done that once a year for the last three seasons. So there's some good stuff there. And even the the bat pip is n- um, nothing out of the ordinary. So it maybe it, it may for fans out there, I think, to sum it up closely, I think Tiger fans have been getting kicked in their respective private parts for the all season long, and I think this just extenuates it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even the way he the, the chart, it was a good chance. We'll put the I'll put the link in our in our podcast notes and we'll check it out. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, Chris. I mean, it, to me, even like when he was talking about the or the Ruthian effort of somebody, for example, uh, Jonas Cespedes. I mean, seventeen. I mean, seventeen home runs after with his new team, and then JD Martinez is you know were impressive, but. For what it's worth, the Diamondbacks didn't do anything, and I think was that the year the Mets went to the World Series was twenty fifteen. It was, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that propelled them to a World Series appearance, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, if we're looking at it from what the Tigers got back in return so far, I mean, for the Met, for the Mets side of things, they got they got they got a pretty decent return on that. Um, yeah, Fulmer. Yeah, I mean that was. I think Fulmer, even with his injuries, has been worth more. And, and war than Cespedes since yeah. then. Cespedes is on a horse ranch somewhere. Literally, I'm, and not, then, I'm, then, I'm not making that up. They also either. got 
Remember, they also got Sessa, who they used as part to get uh, Justin Wilson, who then they used to get Candelario and, and Freddie. So that was, yeah, and that worked out just great. It's the, the J.D. Martinez trade was really bad, and we knew it was bad yeah. from the beginning. And, and this uh, Castellanos trade looks pretty bad. We also knew that from the beginning. It's Part of that is a reflection of the changing markets. Part of that, I think, is the reflection on the, the relative trading ability of Dave Dabrowski and Al Avila. Although there are some people who will tell you that Al Avila was the one who spearheaded that uh, Mets trade. So I don't know. It's hard to know without being there in the trenches with them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just think uh, it, it's one of those things that's tough to watch as a Tigers fan. But like you just remember sometimes players go bonkers like this. You remember how bad Justin Upton was for like the first three months oh, yeah. after the Tigers signed him? Yeah. And then he basically carried the team close to the playoffs in, in August and September of that year. Like he was just absolutely bonkers. So it's just sometimes players have these crazy ups and downs and, and you don't know why. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I mean it, it could it could be it could be a lot of factors into it too in terms of even for the what's going on. The Cubs right now are in a in a pennant race right now. Really essentially with the Cardinals and, and trying to even they've overcome a lot. They've had they're three and they're three and a half back, or excuse me, they're three back of the Cardinals for first place in the Central. So even with all that great neck Cassianos, they still have the Cardinals are still getting it done with all the injuries too, and they're kind of it's gonna be St. Louis and Chicago here as Milwaukee kind of fades out as we you kind of even call the two with the lack of imagination of the trade deadline plus the, the the injuries the Brewers have faced. It has been it's gonna be a tough climb for them to even come back in the thick of things, but. It seems like the Cubs and Cardinals here in the stretch for the NL Central, which kind of uh, kind of a reflection back to the old times, and a little bit of these Cardinals and Cubs having a, a natural. They already have a rivalry, so this actually kind of emphasizes it a little bit. But that's the only exciting thing in the NL right now. I mean, the Nationals and the Nationals have come on. I mean, the Nationals have done very well, but they're still seven and back. The Braves have done are just as reaching their plateau or you know stepping up their game too. Dodgers, forget about it. They're they're already one ninety game. They're over ninety games. They are 18 up on the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks can play. I mean, they're in the thick of things for the second wild card spot right now, sort of. I mean, in a way. I mean, if if I'm being kind about it, but either way, uh, the Cubs and Cardinals should make for an interesting race as we pull down. But uh, as we pull to the home stretch here in September. But uh, so, Chris, do you have your inside number ready? I do. I don't know. Okay. Do, do you want to touch on uh, Troy Stokes a little bit? Yes, uh, yes. That's, yeah, let's talk about Troy Stokes. Because, yeah. yeah, that was another one that came kind of out of nowhere that they, yeah. similar to, I guess, Dixon last year. I think they ended up claiming Dixon late in the season, in good, October, November. But There was a good article. Uh, that was, was that you that posted that uh, Brandon Dixon, um, what was doing his t- tapping, his changing his swing a little bit? I retweeted that. Yeah, who was that? That was uh, Lance. Uh, um, Lance. I can't remember his last name. Lance. Yeah, Brzezowski or whatever. Yeah, yeah he's. Uh, um, yeah, I retweeted it. Didn't read it. So yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, hey, people might want to read this. Haven't read it. I, I know. I read. Uh, it, I read it for you, and that was. Uh, that was a good. That was a good read. And, and Dixon, I mean, his numbers don't. You know, he's still checking out thirty percent of the time. But I mean, he has shown some sort of improvement. And for a guy that has expected really nothing, you know, expected nothing. Hey, you know, it's something. Yeah, you know, he's just another one of those guys you wish you wish would just walk a little. Yeah. Just walk a little, and you could live with some of the stuff he does, but it's, you know, because he's hitting for power and decent average, but 
you know, doesn't walk. And that's the way it goes. I don't know if the Tigers have a plan to help these guys start walking more, but it seems unlikely. Yeah. But, uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, but that, that's not, uh, that hasn't been an issue for, for Stokes in his career. Yeah. He's always walked around a nine to like 11, 12% rate, which is good. Uh, and he's got, it's kind of an interesting profile. He's a smaller dude. He's like 5'8, but he's got uh, home run power because he's just a really pull heavy approach. Uh, and he's got some speed too. A couple of years ago, I think he, he hit 20 home runs and stole 30 bases, which is not not bad at all. And then two years ago, he was like close to 2020 again. And then, and then this this year, it just kind of all fell apart for him. And that's why he was made available, I, I assume, because he was hitting what like 230, only nine homers. And the Pacific Coast League, which is kind of frightening if you think about it. Yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah, his he hit 233 with nine homers. Uh, in a 12% walk rate, and that was good for an 80 WRC plus. <laughs> so, like, Yikes. that's how, uh, you know, I think Mike, Mike Gerber hit, like, 28 home runs this year in, uh, in the PCL. Um, but, it, so, it's hard to know without having seen him what the issues were this year. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe the AAA pitching just got to him. Maybe he's a guy who kind of waits for mistakes and wasn't getting as many mistakes this year. But it's kind of it's a decent flyer on a guy because there are the underlying skills there. You know, apparently he's a very good defensive outfielder, although he lacks the arm to play anywhere but left field. He won a Gold Glove uh, in Double A last year. Yeah, I think I think Mike Gerber won a Gold Glove in center field a couple years ago too. So it's, and, and Keen pointed I, out that uh, uh, Dom Ficcicello, uh won one playing yeah. first base for Erie. So yeah, I and mean, Ficcicello was a really good defender. It's it's like these are I think voted on by the managers, and I think so. You know, it's it means something. I don't know if it means anything, but if he's a good defender and he's got some on-base skills and he's got some raw power and he's got a little of speed, there's a lot you can work with there. If if this year was just kind of a bad, fluky year, there might be something there. It's it's worth taking a shot on. Yeah, you know, they they've got so many outfielders now and so many flawed outfielders. I, it's it's kind of like a, just a throwing everything against the wall to see if it sticks because you've got so you got still got Jacoby Jones, you got Victor Reyes who people are loving because he's hitting three fifteen with zero power and zero walks. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that later too. <laughs> Harold Castro's playing outfield. Travis Demerit, Kristen Stewart's back now, uh, and then at AAA you've got Daz Cameron and I don't, who knows what's going to happen with Jake Robson and Danny Woodrow if if they you know they just hang around in the minors or what. And then coming up behind them, you've got Derek Hill and Jose Azucar and Cam Gibson. So they, they've got this logjam of <laughs> seemingly never an extreme of fourth and fifth outfielders. So that maybe they're just hoping that one or two of them can can become a regular. But uh, I don't know. It's it's like I said. It's it's the profile is enough to make me interested. We'll see what happens. I've never seen him play, so maybe he's got a funky swing or something. Yeah, and, and speaking of AAA and call-ups, so the Tigers announced their call-ups, and all were from AAA. And no surprise, Tyler Alexander, Candelario, Griner, uh, Zach Reiner, Stewart, and Daniel uh, Sump will all got the call. So guys we've already seen on the roster anyways. And so right now, I th- Erie season came to an end, what, uh... Yeah, a couple, I guess, Monday? Was yeah, it Monday? Mon- yeah, Monday, it was. Yeah. But it a really, aside from the Numata stuff, which is just tragic, of course, right. it was a really a, a huge bummer of the end of the season. They, you know, they had this great second half, and they just absolutely collapsed in the final two weeks. 
they lost like four or five games in a row and, and ended up missing the playoffs. And it's, it's a shame because we kept talking about like, you know, it seemed like the, the organization wanted to keep all these guys together to make that playoff, uh, you know, have a playoff excite, excitement. And I guess the, <laughs> the fun of competing for the playoffs was still there, but uh, now they get to share the disappointment of missing the playoffs. So, yeah, and like you said, Lakeland was rained, <laughs> hurricaned out. West Michigan had a, a brutal year, and Toledo had a brutal year, and, and the Gulf Coast League was also rained out. So I don't think the Tigers have any playoff teams this year. Yeah, and I know that Dan Dan Hasty was tweeting a little bit, you know, some of the, the best moments recently where they had made the playoffs. And for the – I mean, the, it, it's just – it's been a difficult season for the Seawolves just because they were so – they were so close. They overcame so much. And – the injuries too. I mean, it's just it's you know they have oh, they had to overcome quite a bit and kind of fall that close and or fall that or get that close and fall that short, like within an inch or two. Kind of sucks, but nevertheless, a lot of progress we saw from there. We'll we'll, get, we'll, we'll do like a minor league wrap up here shortly uh, by the end of the month. But no, and, and you know here's another thing too that stands out about the pickup Strokes Junior too, and you were talking about his power and some of his numbers. That uh, I wanted to throw out there. He he is his on base percentage hat was uh, his career on base percentage is three fifty one, and he has stolen one hundred twenty eight bases. Has just been caught thirty times, so that is something that if you look at Christian Stewart's defense, I mean, if he's a plus defender, he's a plus mm-hmm. defender upgrade over in left field than Christian Stewart is. So yeah, I mean, that's like a three grade upgrade. Uh, it there's some things like I said, there's some things to like there. Uh, you just got to figure out what happened this year with the offense, why the power went away. Because he's not—he's never been like a, a guy who hit for a high average, but two thirty with no power isn't isn't great. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, <laughs> you just try some stuff. I guess it's it's. I'm okay with it. Yeah, if it's like sticking the spaghetti on the wall to see if it's done or not, and that's exactly yeah. what the Tigers are doing at this point. But uh, so, um. Why is it doing that for? Okay, so let's go inside the numbers, Chris. And uh, there's a lot of numbers, man, out there. Especially saw Pete Alonzo hit his 45th home run, which blows my mind. The, the There was a stat last week or two weeks ago that we talked about, too, with the uh, Yankees having all nine guys hitting 20 home runs. The Twins are hitting all a bunch of power. And, I don't know, there's some crazy stuff going on the last few weeks. But uh, what, what was the number that stood out to you? Uh, well, uh, my number was negative 2.6, which uh, is the Tigers' collective war at the catching position this year, Ooh. which is the third worst position group in all of baseball, behind only the Rangers' catching group, which is somehow at negative 3 war, and the Royals' first baseman, which is like negative 3.4 war. So I, I don't know what the hell's going on over there. But uh, yeah, right now, the leader for the Tigers among catchers is Jake Rogers, who was hitting 111 with four homers and a 42% K rate. <laughs> He's been worth negative 0.4 war. That's the leader among their catchers. Uh, then you got Bobby Wilson at negative six war, negative 0.6. Grayson Griner at negative 0.7 war and John Hicks at negative 0.8. So collectively they are hitting 179, 232, 318 this year for a WRC plus of 41. And I was like, well, that's pretty awful. How does that compare? So I look back to the last 20 years to 2000, and that's the 10th worst catching group of this uh, of this millennium, I guess you'd call it. Uh, the fifth highest K rate 
of any catching group this this millennium. Second worst batting average at 179. Second worst on base percentage at 232. And the third worst rated uh, weighted runs created plus. So, yeah, man, the catching has been an ugly, ugly position for him this year. I guess that's what you expect when you go into the season with Grayson Griner and John Hicks. And, uh, you know, Jake Rogers has not been I – mean, he's he's kind of been what we expected, but I don't think – everybody's like, oh, you know, if he can just hit 230, he'll be great. And, and I don't think people realize, like, it's going to be a struggle for him to hit 190 wow. unless he makes some serious changes. And we, you know – Let's be honest here. I don't think we, we mentioned this. There was uh, Doug Mankiewicz was not a big fan of Jake Rogers at AAA in Toledo. And I think the idea behind that was he just didn't seem or he didn't appear to be coachable to Mankiewicz. Um, so I'm not trying to like sully his name. I'm just saying like maybe this failure is is good for him and he needs to figure out a way to change his approach at the plate. Because no matter how good of a defender you are, you, you can't survive. You can't hit 111. You can get away with 190, 210, but 111 is not going to cut it. And striking out 40% of the time uh, isn't going to do it either. So they got to get something figured out there. So hopefully Jake Rogers can, can make the adjustments. Yeah, and Jake Rogers, and the game we Keen and I went to last week, we saw him launch, like some of the half swings that he was taking, and he looked a little lost out there. But uh, still – it, it's going to take some time, and, and of course you have spring tr- or winter ball, so who knows if he plays in the winter ball, but it just needs a mental break. But uh, my number this week is 5,749, and that is the final home run totals in AAA baseball. Last year it was 3,652. So the AAA, of course, trip switching baseballs. So some of the, some other numbers with that associated with that, uh, this is, of course, uh, from J.J. Cooper. Um, the AAA slugging percentage was 462, double A was 371, high A was 366, and low A was 358. So what the uh, for the PSL, which I mentioned earlier, which kind of leads to a little uh, alludes to it. Fifty home runs are up 59 percent last year, or from up from last year, 59 percent. So what's been fascinating about this is guys like Mark Payton. Patton, excuse me, Mark Patton, who plays for the AAA affiliate of the uh, A's, hit thirty home, hit three thirty four, thirty home runs. Last year, he only hit six home runs. He's a five eight, twenty <laughs> seven year old who's never played the league. And of course, Mike Gerber, old friend of the show, Mike Gerber, big fan yeah. over here in West Michigan, three oh eight with twenty six home runs for the Rivercast this year. That's the Giants of AAA affiliate in the majors so far. Point, he's a 088 career hitter. He's went, he went one for 15 this year in a short time with the Giants. So it is beyond me, Chris. I mean, we've, the PSL has always hit more traditionally better or, or higher batting average, anyways. But this is ridiculous, and so I think it just hurts nothing. I mean, you know, it, it, Tim Tebow for Christ's sake hit four home runs this year for Syracuse. So I mean, if, there, if there's any indication that, you know, something's in, you know, change back to what it works. I mean, are they are they just doing this for attendance purposes? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I don't know exactly why they changed to the Major League Ball in AAA. But I mean, it's no secret that the ball is we've heard, you know, talked about it many times, it's no secret that the ball is is uh basically smoother and this uh, 
producing less drag, so it's going out over the walls. I mean, I, I think I mentioned Dixon Machado hit 17 home runs this year. If people remember Dixon Machado, I think. Uh, it's, it's barely being able to get the ball out of the infield most times. So, yeah, it, it, it's outrageous, and I don't know what – I haven't heard any plans to change anything or what they can do. The the It's very hard to change the ball quickly from everything I read because it's still hand-sewn. So it's like, you know, you need months and months of lead time. But I, I would be kind of shocked if they don't do something because teams have to be complaining. They, they're talking about how they don't even bother, you know, evaluating players in AAA now because it's pointless. So, and that's why we get to telling people just to kind of ignore the stats into AAA this year. And it's another reason why we lament the Tigers' lack of power, because even with this juiced ball in AAA, I don't I think what Mikey Machoke led led uh, Toledo with something like 18 home runs, maybe. I don't think any legitimate prospects hit more than 14 or 13. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was looking that up real quick, too. And in terms of home run leaders for the Budhens this year, it is, it is you're, you're right. No, it's actually, he had 21. He had 21 yeah, home runs. had 21, but Willie Castro had 11, and Daz Cameron had 13. Yep, and then uh, Dustin Peterson came in with 11. Ronnie Rodriguez with 11. For all that hoopla about Victor Reyes, he only had 10. And kind of later, the splitting time between here and, and uh, Toledo is 9. So, and, yeah, I don't know, even – what's even more depressing about this too, Chris, is – the Seawolves, too. The Seawolves did not have a lot of – I mean, Lakeland – I mean, forget about Lakeland. I mean, Lakeland mm-hmm. – um, we did see – I mean, there was some glimpse of power, but it was more dominantly pitching for double-A for the Seawolves. But uh, it, I don't know. Like, it, that is a cause of concern. If you take pause into – Erie had – you know, double-A across the board didn't have any issues with the ball. They used the standard ball. But the, the leader for home runs this year was John Lester – Josh Lester at 17 with uh, Cody Hughes at 15. And Derek Hill, who's considered a pro- pro- uh, prospect at 14. Mm-hmm. And then Paredes being the number one prospect among hitters with 13. Yeah, he had 13, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, we've talked about it many times. There's not a whole lot of power. There's not a whole lot of patience in the system. So yeah. maybe they're trying to remedy that with guys like Stokes. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if it plays. They had, you know, Kristen Stewart had power. And that didn't play this year. So... Oh, it's rough. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's gonna make for a rough, rough uh, couple a couple years here coming up ahead. And and even looking back at that Randy Smith piece, which I just finished up here, part one, part two is gonna probably come mm-hmm. out next week. The Tigers had all the power; they just didn't for for a minute, but then they just didn't have any pitching, and then it just turned into not having anything. But uh, that was a trip down memory lane that I honestly enjoyed. I know people. Think yeah, I, I enjoyed reading it. I thought there was a lot of good stuff in there. I think I told you it was funny to see the Randy Smith wanting institute the Tiger's Way manual or book that we're going to do the things the right way every level and put it down in writing. And it's like, oh, didn't Alavilla talk about that like two years ago? Yeah. So it's it's you know it's this silliness that uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, it was like I said. There's some parts that are like history truly repeats itself. Honestly, there's some parts there that were just 
Nothing has changed. I mean, you're dealing yeah. with a straddle payroll just like now. Then, I mean, then again, scouting wasn't what it was then. So I get it. Again, there's somebody who, some you know, idiot on, on Facebook was not idiot, but the, the guy of difference of opinion was yelling at me about like, well, it's it's different then. Well, no shit. I know it's different. I understand how things work then and then now, but at the same time, I just Randy Smith made three or four trades for players he traded beforehand too. So he was getting the same player different organization twice, which made absolutely no sense. Nothing. So you can't I mean the one thing hasn't changed is scouting. Scouting is king and the Tigers didn't really have it then. Beatable what you think of it now. So anywho, uh, um let's go and go in the good, the bad, the ugly this week, Chris. Alright. Uh so my good I tried to go kind of a little obscure my good for this week is Jonathan VR. Um, so it's kind of unusual. He's you know he's not having like a monster year or anything like that. But he's currently uh, got a 3.6 F WAR and a 3.8 B WAR because he's hitting 280 with 20 home runs and 33 steals and a 9% walk rate. 33 steal. And 33. Yeah, he's got 33 steal. <laughs> uh, so it's you know, it's a 113 WRC plus. So it's not crazy, but this is you know Baltimore. He's been playing second base and shortstop for him. He would be the best uh, hitter on the Tigers by a pretty wide margin. Uh, and it's interesting. He split his time between second base and shortstop, and he's actually been significantly worse at second base. Um, he's been negative uh, eight defensive runs saved at second base compared to negative one at shortstop. So he's not like a great fielder, but he'd be you know probably a four-win player if he was playing all at shortstop soon. Um, and the Orioles got him last year in the Jonathan Scope trade with the Brewers. Uh, and, and was considered a light return at the time. Uh, and would you know it, uh, since the trade, the scope has 1.8 war and VR has 5.1 while making about half as much money, about $5 million less. So, you know, it's not some great coup, but Baltimore has them under team control again for next year. So if they want to and, and they could find a, a partner, they could might be able to trade them for something decent this offseason. Um, and uh, it's just, it was a, a good move for them. And, you know, I try not to cram and uh, complain about the Tigers here, but it would be kind of nice to see them make a move like this eventually, you know, where they, it's not necessarily going after just prospects. You go after a, a sort of a younger veteran a younger, you know, not necessarily a veteran, somebody who's, who's played, who's had a couple or, you know, some, some good success in the majors, but maybe is on the downswing right now. Go get him for something. You know, the Tigers don't have a Jonathan Scope to trade, but I'll make him part of a deal. And it, it, in my mind, I'm kind of uh, thinking of, you know, Mark Orosh is always talking about Johan Camargo from the Braves. Go get him. Because uh, they don't seem to need him. And he had a 3-1 season last year. He's been really rough this year. He's only 25. Go make a trade for him somehow and, you know, get some prospects too and see what you get. You don't have to always trade for prospects. I, I always think back to that year when the Tigers were out of it. What was it, 2010? When uh, they traded for Johnny Peralta, anyway, yeah, that was, he, was, that was really he was a free deal. agent or yeah. whatever after that season. But they they traded for him. He played well for them. They resigned him, and he was good for him. It's like you know, you don't always have to just sell uh, and and buy prospects. You you can make other moves. So I don't know. That's just my complaint. But John VR, interesting season. Um, my bad is something that I've touched on before, either last year or the year before. But it is. Uh, is Daniel Norris's splits, uh, the times through the order. 
I don't know if you remember me. I think this was my argument for making him a reliever a while back. Uh, and this year as a starter, he's been really strong the first time through the order. Uh, it's basically a 3.02 ERA. It's a 3.89 FIP. And 53 strikeouts in, in 53 innings. So, you know, basically strike out an inning. Those, that's, those numbers, as you know, first time through the order, are basically the same as Mike Miners have been all year. And Mike Miners has been a top 15 pitcher in baseball. So Norris is good that first time through the lineup. That's not unusual. Uh, it gets a little worse the second time. Uh, the strikeout rate drops 5%, and the ERA jumps to 4.63 in 46 innings. Uh, but honestly, the, the main reason I wanted to bring this up is when I was looking, when you look at the third time through the order, both his, his innings pitched and his ERA, well, see, so the innings pitched are exactly half of the second time through the order. So instead of 40, 46.2, it's 23.1, and their ERA is exactly double. So instead of 4.63, it's 9.26. So uh, I mean, that's probably not that uncommon. You just, you know, same number of runs and half the innings. But uh, so, yeah, it's clearly an issue for him. And we've seen some progress from him this year. But I kind of, I really like this two, three inning thing from him. And I'd like to see them continue to do that with him as, as, a, as a, you know, the opener. Try to get two, three innings out of him. And then, you know what? Back him up with Turnbull, who generally goes three innings. He also has trouble the second time through the order. So get him three, four innings. Uh, and if you do that with Norris, get him used to go on two, three innings every, every now and then. You can go like every four days with him. Then the second time you back him up with Drew Verhagen or something like that. I don't know. Just try something different to, to maximize the talent that these guys have. They, they don't seem to be guys who can really turn the lineup over. So uh, figure out a way to make them not have to. So that's my bad. Uh, and my ugly, you, you touched on the Braves earlier, is their bullpen the last month. You know, they really they made effort to address the bullpen. They made those three trades, including Shane Green. You know, they also traded Mark Millen, or for Mark Melanson and Chris Martin. And uh, in the last month, they've been the first, uh, fifth worst bullpen in baseball. Ahead of only the Tigers, the Marlins, the Mariners, and the Orioles. So, you know, four of the worst teams in baseball. Um, yeah, all the FIPs are pretty good, so it might just be bad luck, you know, small sample sizes. But Melanson has a 5-4 ERA. Martin has a 6-3-5 ERA. Sean Newcomb, who was there before, 6-9-7 ERA. And Luke Jackson, there, who was their closer before they got green, he's got a 2-5 ERA, but he allows 48% of inherited runners to score, which is not ideal. Uh, and Shane Green is a solid 2-0-3 ERA now. He's really, I think he's got 11 scoreless outings since that awful start for them. But he's a lot of 100% of his inherited runners to score, oh. <laughs> which is insane. I, I think they kind of got the, the idea pretty quickly that, you know what, you got to bring this guy in, uh, you know, with a clean slate to start the inning. So, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's small sample sizes. It might not be ugly, but if I'm a Braves fan, I'm going to be kind of worried for the playoffs because the last thing you want is, you know, 3-2 game and you got to bring in Shane Green and – Martin and Melanson and just kind of cross your fingers. So that's my ugly. All right, Chris. Well, I mean, even for right now for the Braves, the Nationals, the Nationals done a good job of working for like fortifying themselves a little bit. And I think with the, they're much uh, position wise to make a deeper postseason run than the Braves are. I mean, Braves have a lot of young guys, but uh, so my good this week is Justin Verlander and he pitched a no hitter and Tigers fans sighed a little bit and kind of, but it was the, the reason why his no hitter was so good was really just 
Verlander had to earn it, and just by it was Fangraphs did a really good job of breaking it down. But I mean, taking some stuff from that from the from that aside too. I mean, he joins Bob Feller, Cy Young, and Larry uh, Kukakarin, and all of baseball they have three no hitters. I mean, he's only behind Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan, and he was throwing 98-99 late in the game. So this is like Ver- vintage Verlander, and just he was he was throwing heat still. I mean, this is I mean this is what was amazing about that. Um, but the the stat that stood out about the the bat. Or, ah. No other batted ball had expected hit percentage above twelve percent against Verlander on Sunday. So, but more than twelve percent. Yeah, above. Holy cow! Yeah, that's that's insane, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I thought I saw that he he only allowed two hard hit balls. The, the ball is above ninety five miles an hour. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's pretty spectacular. I, it at the same time, that's not a great Blue Jays lineup. But uh, yeah, I mean that he's one of those things where. Verlander just kind of breaks a lot of models. The, the, the BABIP stuff doesn't apply to him for whatever reason because he just doesn't. He either gives up super hard hit home runs or he gets like pop flies. And so his BABIP's like 200. And that that deflates his FIP and it makes him not the best pitcher in baseball to fan graphs. Yeah, 33 home runs he's allowed. Yeah. 33 home run. 33 home run. And, and, uh, <laughs> But then also, you know, he's got the benefit of having the Astros are a good defense, so that's why he's not leading in, in baseball reference war either compared to is that Mike Miner, I think. But yeah, I will not dispute that Justin Verlander is good. I find, in fact I think he's quite good. Yeah. Uh, and it's very cool to see him get that third no hitter. I you know, I it was somebody pointed out like there are some some guys like Homer Bailey has two no hitters, and it's like, yeah, you know, you can be a guy who has really good stuff and occasionally get a no-hitter or two with some luck and some good defense. But to get three, you have to be kind of special. So, and he is, and it's cool to see. I mean, Kent Merker wants to do a no-hitter. I mean, that's Did he throw it by himself, or was that one no, of those, that like, five-pitcher Braves? It was a five-pitcher, no yeah, five-pitcher no-hitter thing. But I just, I joke because it was, yeah. a, it was a Kent Merker question we got wrong on trivia once because I kept telling people, I'm like, no, it was a complete, uh, I, I don't know how you Pena finished off the no-hitter. No, he didn't. He pitched the whole game, and. Sure as shit, I was right. So why trip? You know, why try to challenge the master on that? But uh, no, even thirty-five percent strikeout rate would be it, is a career high for him. Would be after the season, and his walk rate is near as low. So it was a great article posted by Craig Edwards. But I mean, again, I was going to mention Verlander regardless of the stats. It's just it's amazing. I mean, just you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. probably going to win his second Cy Young. Should be at least his third, if not his fourth. Um, so the stat that stood out too, Chris, f- first in XW o- uh, OBA, X Woba, yeah, X-Woba. expected weighted on base, yeah, ridiculous. Okay, bad is the Red Sox. Uh, they've promoted <laughs> four more pitchers this week. They have 21 pitchers on the active roster. So, ladies and gentlemen, for all those people out there who hate Boston fa- games right now, you're gonna hate them even more. So. As Alex Cora said, "quote The rules are the rules. Next year you can't do that. It's probably the first. It's probably not the first time it's happened in the game. I don't feel bad about it. We're gonna go winter ball style. That's how we're gonna do it. These games instead of four hours are gonna be five hours. Obviously, it's not the. It's not perfect for our starters. They're not giving us enough. 
We need matchups. We need arms. We're going to try and maximize Bruder, uh, Bruder's cutter. Uh, Mark, Mike Schwarwin, who we saw in Toledo slider, and Bobby's fastball and Kelly's sidearm pitches. And what he's referring to is the four calls were Colton Brewer, Trevor Kelly, Mike uh, Schwarwin, which we saw in Toledo, and Bobby Poynier. So, um, yeah, which leads me to my ugly is Rick Porcello. He is well, that's nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? He's a mouth breather, and he's got those moles, but he's otherwise he's handsome. <laughs> As um, I mean, he gave up two home runs to Miguel Sonio or Sanyo. Wow, Sonio. Wow, I know that name. Miguel uh, Sanyo on Tuesday, as the Red Sox lost to the Twins, and it was. I mean, it, here's the here's where the the miles per hour here. Rick Porcello allowed a home run to Nelson Cruz on an 80-mile-an-hour slider. And that fastball to Miguel was a nine, just 90. That's it. So there's something definitely amiss with Rick Purcell. Not sure if it's mental or physical. Um, did we just roll into the House of the Rising Sun? Yeah, we did. You <laughs> heard that? Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I didn't know you. Did you hear the music the first time? No, I, I usually hear it uh, kind of in the background. Oh. But oh. not, yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, I'm going to keep rolling that on. Um, so it's kind of <laughs> maybe it's the setting of the sun for Rick Porcello. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he said, it's a sorry on me. I don't know what to say besides I'm frustrated and embarrassed. Um, and the Red Sox have dropped now 23. Look, the good and bad, I mentioned Boston a lot recently. I know a lot of Boston fans are going to probably yell at me, but I don't really give a shit. Sorry. Um, you know, uh, whatever. Boston's dropped to 23 and 38 against teams with winning records compared to teams. They're killing teams over 500. So 51 and 26 against teams like the Tigers and Royals, what have you. And they're 10 and 18 at Fenway Park against winning teams. That's it. So, by the way, the ERA for the starters last year at this time was 3.77. They have allowed 365 earned runs last year and 871 innings pitched. This year. Red Sox ERA, starter ERA, is 5.03, allowing 392 re- earned runs and 701 innings pitched. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching the game. They're putting up the starting rotation ERA right there. Price, 428. Porcello, 563. Eduardo Ortiz, 397. Nathan Eovaldi, 623. Brian Johnson, 655. And that's Chris Sale not on there, and his ERA was in the fives too, I think. So Yeah. And the reason why I thought, like, Garrett Cole, we talked about this in our Twitter chat earlier about Garrett Cole making sense for Boston, is Boston's one of those teams that's going to be that desperate to throw that kind of money at him. But when you guys when you guys told me that he has the connections with the Angels and the Angels were his favorite team, probably a lot less pressure to play in Anaheim versus Boston. And I think Garrett Cole in that ballpark, too, I don't, I'm not sure, is Angel is Angel Stadium considered a pitcher venue or a hitter's venue? I think it's relatively pitcher-friendly. It might be more neutral. Okay. They always they talk about like uh, you know stadiums out west as being different in the day and the night. You know, I mean, we, we talk about that, but Garrett Cole's obviously going to go wherever, uh, whoever pays him the most money. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the Red Sox can afford to though. I mean, maybe if JD Martinez opts out and David Price opts out, but that seems kind of unlikely. They're pretty. I mean, these teams can obviously afford it, but if they want to stay under the luxury tax, they I don't think they can afford someone like that. And I'm not sure about the Yankees either, but the Angels are only have a payroll of about like 120 million. That, and that's you know with they basically have what like three large contracts. They've got Upton is 20 something million. 
Uh, Trout is obviously like 40 million, and Pujols is up there in like 25, 30 million. But after that, it's mostly, you know, I think they got like, you know, Simmons and Cozart or whatever making 10 or 12 million. But that's a team that you've got Mike Trout. He's in his prime. He's the best player in baseball. You need to make a splash. Go out and get. He's obviously going to be the best pitcher on the market. He went to UCLA. He grew up an Angels fan. Like, go get it. That's a home run. Um, he'll probably be asking for like $250 million at least. So uh, it'll, it'll be tough to see who goes and gets him. But uh, I don't know. I could see. I, yeah, I, mean, I could see the, the, the Red Sox if they don't care about the luxury tax or, uh, or the Yankees coming in and coming over the time. I, mean, I could see him staying with the Astros. I mean, that would be wise probably for his career. But I don't know. I'd kind of like to see the, the balance of power shift a little bit. Yeah, it'd be nice here. to see Mike Trout make the damn playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, would, it would add the element to the way the marketing him they or lack of marketing him perhaps is a better uh, better word for it. But I mean, right now, if you look at what the Angels roster is currently in terms of pitching stats right now, I mean, was it the uh, the Chandler? Um, God, they shut down uh, Griffin Cannon. Yeah, Griffin Cannon. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he's down for the season. And really, outside of that, they don't – I mean, their top prospect is, in terms of a, from from pitching standpoint, is Jose Suarez. Um, yeah, he's a lefty, I believe. Yeah, he's a lefty. And he's been – I mean, he's, his, he's, he hasn't been good, and, and he's got an ERA over six at the moment. So Andrew, Andrew Haney has shown some flashes this year. Of course, they had the tragic loss of Tyler Skaggs. Uh, yeah. And they may be, I mean, there may be some more ugliness coming out of that soon because, uh, not to get too deep in the woods, but you're a 27-year-old ball player. You're, you're not scoring Oxycontin with fentanyl on it on your own. Somebody from the organization is going out and getting that for you. So yeah. that could get ugly. Yeah. And then, I mean, in terms of other guys they have, Chris Rodriguez was is shot sideline in the middle of the year. He was a pass prospect. Uh, Jose Sardano. Uh, is down, I think, in single A, or I can't remember where he's at right now. Um, Patrick San- Sandoval is another pitcher they have, too, but they don't really have a lot of guys that are, I mean, as much as, I, I mean, credit or credit, too, the, the, the Angels have done a very good job of rebuilding the roster on the fly and being competitive, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that in the sense that it can be done, just saying, so wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But Yeah, uh, the... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like I, the Soriano kid is a guy I'm kind of interested in, and they had Jeremiah Jackson was a guy that they drafted who had a monster year and I think the short season leagues. So, and uh, Jordan Adams is this elite athlete that I mean I, I was getting hyped about him a couple years ago when I saw him at the what was it the National High School Invitational? Yeah. Uh, and then of course Joe Adele, and they still have Brandon Marsh. So they've got some some interesting talent down in the minors, and it should be coming up soon. So they. I know it, it seems like now is a good window for them to go for it. Like you said, you know, get the best player in, in, the, in baseball in his prime, surround him with some talent, and, and go for it. And if Cole, you get Cole away from the Astros, that's a pretty big coup. Yeah, and bit, bit definitely, especially too, it gives that power, gives another team in the West, especially the way the Astros have been running away with things. In Seattle, you're not sure if they're going to continue to spin their wheels or not. Um, but. Yep. Uh, Couple, one of the last couple, we have a listener, a couple of listener questions, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about the seven prospects that are going to the Arizona Fall League real quick. So Anthony Castro, which is part of the question we'll get to, why he's not coming up, uh, why he's not coming up, we'll tell you why in a second with, from the listener question. 
Alex Lange, who they just got for the Cubs. Uh, Pinto, uh, Vladimir, or... Yeah, Vladimir Pinto. Yeah, Vladimir Pinto. Uh, Trent... Scudnick. Scudnick, okay. I did say that. Isaac Paredes, and Jose Alzacar and Derek Hill. So, all of them make sense except for maybe... I don't know, Trent, Chris, can you explain Trent to me a little bit? Because I'm, I'm a little miffed on that one. Uh, well, Skutnik, yeah, he's a lefty reliever who has been... Michigan guy. Yeah, he came from Michigan. I think he was drafted in 20th round, 20-something 20th round. 20, 2014, yep, 20th round, yep. 20th round, 2014. So he's been in the league for a long time. He's old. He's not a prospect. It may be as simple as like, hey, you know, whoever is in charge of putting these rosters together... You know, the teams, I think the teams kind of round robin it and, and pick. They, they, somebody may have been like, hey, we need a lefty reliever. Do you have anybody? Uh, it may also be something as simple as the team likes Skutnik. They want to get him out there in front of other teams and scouts so he can get a chance. Like, you know, if he's not going to, they might not be planning on keeping him around. Mm-hmm. And they just want him to get a chance to showcase what he can do in front of other teams so that they might sign him next year. Like it could just be kind of a favor to him. I, I don't know. Maybe they really believe in him. I, I saw him as a starter in West Michigan like three years ago and didn't think anything of it really, but I know I haven't, I haven't zeroed in on him. So maybe he's throwing harder than we thought, or maybe there is something interesting there, but I think it's probably just kind of a logistical thing. Yeah. Then, then what do you say that makes sense? And then Pinto, uh, had a great year down in Lakeland. He kind of struggled a little bit at double A. At first, struggled at double A, but he seemed like he calmed down quite a bit. The tune of 38 strikeouts and 28 innings pitched. And we watched that breaking ball. He was throwing some nastiness uh, thanks to Robert James. So he, he looks well on his way. Of course, Anthony Castro goes without saying. I'm excited for him. Yeah. I'm excited that he'll be able to get some. Maybe he'll get some scouts looking at him, too. Uh, Alex Lange pitched well. Um, for and since he came over, and I'm you know praise goes without saying, but uh, Alzcar and Derek Hill, I don't know Chris. I mean, there's a lot of roster changes coming up, and it, I think for them this is their chance to make an impression if they're going to, you know, you look at the AAA call-ups, and the Tigers have a lot of interesting cases to make here. They have a lot of fourth outfielders, so which one is going to stick around? And both also, by the way, are Rule Five eligible, so. Yeah, and and that certainly goes into it. I think where and Pinto is too. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think, and it's likely that all those guys are going to get added. Or like I said, that this is kind of a showcase. You show them out there. Other teams like, hey, you know, we kind of like that guy. What do you want? You want to work out something? And uh, I can see that happening. But yeah, I mean, the, the other six guys are, are legitimate prospects of varying degrees. Paredes is obviously the best of them. Uh, Pinto's interesting as a reliever. Uh, reliever, not a reliever. Uh, I guess you could call him a reliever. Um, he, he's a guy that you know Chipman saw a couple years ago and really liked him, and then last year he was brutal, and then this year he kind of came back. That the breaking ball is inconsistent, but he can show a, a flash of plus breaker, which is nice, and the, the velocity is pretty good. So I think he's toned down the velocity a little bit to get more movement, but he's he's a potential you know seventh inning arm. And then Lang, I, I, you know, haven't seen a pitch because he came over from that Cubs deal. He supposedly right. he had a great curve in college, but I think now his changeup might even be better than that. Um, yeah, and, and then you know, Preddy's is 
you know, it could also be just a, uh, a chance to like, hey, you guys, you might play in the, the majors next year. You might end up playing 160 games, so get used to it. Here's, you know, another 30 games. Uh, but I, I am interested to see how Hill and Ezekar perform against, you know, some of the better comp- competition they've seen on a day-in, day-out basis. I, I suspect we'll see a little bit of the same. We'll, we'll probably see Ezekar put up an empty average uh, and play good defense, and Hill kind of struggle to hit for average, but hit the occasional home run and steal some bases and play good defense. So it'll be nice, nice to pay attention. It's, it's, and it's, they've changed it this year where it's happening right, like very soon instead of in the middle of October. So that'll be cool. It's, it's minor league baseball isn't technically over yet. Yeah. Let's say, uh, was it September 18th to Yeah. Right. So it starts up again. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to be doing the Bowman hit hitting challenge, which we've talked about before is that, uh, that silly version of a home run derby where you uh, you start with like five bunts trying to bunt into hula hoops, and then you take normal home run derby stuff and try to hit targets. You get points for hitting targets, and then I think you get to swing off a tee at the end, and you get various points. It's just a fun little twist on the home run derby. So I, I wonder if they'll still do that. I'd be interested. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, so we yeah. had a we had a, li- a question to let in the Castro. So why is Castro not getting called up, Chris? <laughs> well, this is another, I, I mean, I do think like you've covered this several times and we, we don't know why, but they, you know, sending him to the AFL is a fairly good reason, I guess. Like they want him to get, continue getting regular innings. Uh, and maybe they, they, you know, I don't know how many times I've said this, but the, the team tells you what they think about a player by where they, where they keep them, what, what they do with them. And I always use Josh Lester and, and John Schreiber as my examples. But I think maybe Anthony Castro is another example of that, where the team just doesn't believe in him, despite what the fans see and the numbers. And they're hoping maybe some other team does believe in him and will take a shot, shot at him and maybe trade for him. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, just want to keep him pitching to stretch him out some more. Maybe use him as a starter next year. Yeah, I mean, to me, and it's not even what the fans say, Chris. I, I think it's like even as we're "quote unquote" public commentators, whatever the hell label you want to put on us, I think it's simple. He can pitch. I mean, it's not. I don't need a box score to see that. I can, you can see the legitimacy in his pitching. We're just watching the game. If you watch the game alone, you can see the. I mean, yes, the walk's a little high, but I think there's something to it where there's some. Some unknown factor, perhaps, but I think Castro's going to get a chance here to see what he's proven. But, I mean, Kyle, first and foremost, Kyle, thanks for the question. Appreciate that. Um, I, I, I think ultimately, for me, it, it, it's just a way for him perhaps to get a showcase to, for another team. I like to think Tigers will bring him on, see what he can do, and, and kind of see what they're going to formulate the roster. We talked about last week about potential starters outside of uh, Daniel Norris. Zimmerman, if he comes back, and Boyd, you know, give Castro a shot at the fourth, fifth spot. But uh, the other question I kind of laughed about was uh, any uh, any signs of Roberto Campos, and I put a t- tumbleweed as in no, no, yeah. no, 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 nothing yet. Well, and that's the thing. Like, we were hoping – I don't know what this hurricane is going to do to Instructs. I don't know when Instructs were scheduled. Uh, I, I would hope that that doesn't screw up Instructs because there was some thought that people would be able to go down there and see him for the first time during Instructs. So I don't know we might be able to uh, 
tell people something soon. But right now, yeah, there's no no updates. I assume he's uh, working out, and who knows? Maybe I still don't know if the Tigers have a tricky league team. So I should just ask Ben Badler that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it is kind of it's a bummer with not to dwell on the Castro thing, but I was just thinking about uh, the one year when the, the Royals had like nine players in the baseball America top 100. So it's just, you know, this amazing collection of prospects. And there were three pitchers, I think who were all in the top 20, maybe, maybe four in the top 100. I, I don't remember exactly, but the pitchers were Mike Montgomery, John Lamb, uh, Danny Duffy, and shoot, I'm forgetting the other one. But basically, Danny Duffy was the only one who came out and, and was okay. And meanwhile, the Royals prospects who weren't on the top 100 were like Kelvin Herrera and Salvador Perez and Greg Holland and these guys who ended up, you know, playing huge roles in their championship run. So, you know, they might think that Anthony Castro is like sixth or seventh on their pecking order of the starters, but you just never know. And, and it's, you know, you, you look at the talent and, and, stick with it but who knows we'll see no that's that's a good point chris i mean there's even there's guys who come up on that don't they're not the i guess the uh on, on those lists and what have you and then be able to jump in there but at the same time it's almost like you know if, if castro's not a household name if he's not a household name nor is john schreiber i mean he came up and to mixed reviews so far but i think yeah you're there's no way to be accurate, which is why prospects is one of those things where we're whole, like. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the rankings are always that's why it's better to just kind of try to rank the talent rather than the like put a number on them. Yeah, for example, like the Matt Drews tree, like I was looking at the Matt Drews tree when I was doing the whole piece on yeah. um, Randy Smith and what well, Randy Smith at the time. Made, you say he was the number three prospect yeah. for the, the Yankees. Yeah, it was number three prospect. He was number six in the class beforehand with Derek Jeter. Uh, Andy Bush or um, Andy Pettit, all these guys. So he went for the best prospect he thought that he was going to get. If you look at his numbers in Tampa, he had a really good season in Tampa before he struggled in higher ball. So Randy Smith went with what he thought was the best pitching prospect the Yankees had. The Yankees just came off a World Series. We're going to win. The, yeah, they won this World Series in '96. So they were they were doing well. They were coming their own. So it made sense at the time. It was he was number three prospect. Any if if Twitter existed in nineteen ninety six hypothetically, and that Cecil mm-hmm. Fielder trade Cecil Fielder trade happened, oh we got a number three prospect. Da da da. We'd be all excited about it. But you know Matt Drews can then you know can throw a fastball to save his life. There you go. Yeah. No. It, it's. Uh, I don't know. I never did get around. I I've, I'm still working on the. You know when I took that survey of. Uh, who player? Who fans think are, are going to be, you know, the best players currently in the entire organization? Um, I got all the data done, and I just need to write my piece on it. But it, it is, we all fall in love with the prospects and the prospect rankings, and it's just, it really doesn't. Unless you're super elite, and typically a super elite hitter, then it don't really mean anything at all. Exactly, and then it, it, it's. I mean, look at the guy that was the number one prospect at the time for the Yankees. Who was Ruben? Not um, I forgot the guy's name. Rivera. Yeah, Ruben Rivera. One of the toolsiest guys of all time, and and I don't think he ever hit. Yeah. So Brian Taylor, at one point before he got into the wrong side, of the bar wrong. fight or a trailer park fight. Yeah, it was, was bar, it? it was a bar fight. I think it was. Yeah. So you never you never know, but uh, 
I digress. But uh, other than that, was there any other questions? Did I, did I miss anything? I didn't see anything. It's no. you know, it's. I think the attention span is starting to wane here for Tigers when they're. Yeah. When they got their 40th win the other day, it's going to be the, it, we've talked about all year. It's the second worst team in, in franchise history, almost certainly, unless they get super hot here in the last three weeks. Which uh, worst offense in, in team history. Um, yeah, really, really bad, embarrassing team. Not, uh, not. I'm not saying the players are embarrassing. I think that the front office should be embarrassed. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those things where, I mean, the next couple months or so, we're going to have a lot of special shows. Perry might be coming back on. So, you know, you know it means it's going to be. Yeah, he texted me while during the show. I haven't seen what he said, but who knows? Maybe he said, I want to talk baseball. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love to talk to Perry. We haven't talked to Perry in a while, so uh, I'm down to talk to Perry and have it back on. There's yeah, so there's still plenty of baseball to talk about. I mean, there's postseason. All yeah, that playoffs day. are coming up. Yeah, we. I mean, there's still good baseball out there. Lots of good. You mentioned the Dodgers. The Nats had that crazy seven run, seven run comeback. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it did. Like the NL Central is exciting. So there's it's a good baseball season. It's it's just hard to see that through the this dark poisonous miasma that is the tiger season yeah, don't let tiger killing twitter. us all choking out <laughs> the life out of us don't let tiger twitter uh ring down so yeah. but we're out of time thank you so much for listening to tigers srd on the tiger minor league report network of course on sports for detroit and overtime media network check out all our, check out our great content some great write-ups coming up soon also uh get a hoodie get a shirt we, there are free shipping right now free shipping you? free shipping yeah there's no excuse so use the code TMLR19. We'll run that because the end of the minor league season's here. Get your hoodie. I got mine. I'm going to order Chris one soon. It looks sweet. It's very good quality. The quality is insane. It's uh, fans of Hanes, cotton, good stuff. And I got the Tiger Minor League Report shirt rocking it right now as well. So go online. Go to TigersMinorLeagueReport.com. Go to our store, at our store link. Click there. Free shipping. Use the code TMLR19. And for all those people out there saying they're going to order something, do it. And I think, and by the way, I think uh, the, our winners got their shirt. So uh, Kyle got his shirt. And, or, yeah, and I think um, Uper IA is going to get his. And I just checked the shipping. So Michigan Mama ordered, he ordered a Mudhead shirt. He got the Road, to 75, uh, road Down I 75 podcast. Oh, nice. So, which we haven't done in like a month. Yeah, which, yeah, we'll. we'll you know, we'll be doing we, it soon. We'll, we'll do a recap. we got to do recaps of each of the, the, the teams, so yeah. that'll be coming soon. That'll be coming soon, exactly. So, you know, Labor Day go crazy and all that stuff. So, uh, until then, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next week, and have a good week, everybody.